I was um, raised by a Martha. <laughs> My uh, mom, this is no joke, if you sat your fork down in the middle of a meal and turned around, you might look back to find your fork is already gone and in the dishwasher. <laughs> she was always, God bless her, always busy at work caring uh, for others. I got a lot of that from her. Um, but uh, you probably have. You may be a Martha. You may know some Marthas. Uh, we're grateful for them. So this is not an anti-Martha, pro-Mary uh, text. It's not an anti-Mary, pro-Martha text. This is about balance in our life. Emily Rose Proctor has written, Martha knows the dinner will not cook itself. And Mary feels the moment swiftly passing. And both are right. Last week we saw from uh, Jesus the proper order of things in our life of discipleship. He engaged that young lawyer around what it meant to inherit, to have eternal life. And Jesus says it is to love God with all that you have and all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. Do this, Jesus says, and you will live. Wesley's general rules for the early Methodists follow a similar pattern. Do no harm, do all the good you can, and stay in love with God. Abide in me, Jesus says, as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And from one of my favorite authors, Peter Scazzaro, in his book on emotionally healthy leadership, Scazzaro warns us about doing things for God without having a life with God. So you get the picture. Loving God with all that you have, all that you are, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. That loving God bit with all that you have and all that you are, in fact, is the engine the foundation, the, the energy that comes before and, and sustains a life of doing things in God's name. Martin Luther once remarked, I have so much business to get on with in this day that I can't possibly be about it without first spending three hours in prayer. How many of you have ever said that? Um, I have never said that, and I'm your pastor, right? Yeah, I'm going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning so I can spend three hours in prayer before I begin my day. That was Luther's take on things. Wesley recorded in his journal about how often he would spend a few hours in prayer preparing himself for the work of leading the Methodist movement. Um, it's to be a pattern of our lives. Time with God prepares us for and moves us into time serving God and others. And yet I bet today, hearing the gospel reading, a lot of us can relate to Martha. She was tired, she was frustrated, she was angry with Mary, her sister, other people who weren't working and doing as much as she was doing. She had to be, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I think Martha was a two. And twos are the helpers. I'm a two. The shadows, they're wonderful people. The shadow side of a two is when other people don't help as much as we think they ought to. <laughs> we get irritated by that. Martha was irritated. 
that Mary wasn't helping, serving in the way Martha thought she should be. And we can probably relate to that. We all have lives that are full and busy, and we can be worried and distracted by many things. The truth is, while the way of Mary is appealing, it seems beautiful and good, many of us get on with the work of our day without ever pausing and at the end of the day offer up a quick prayer asking God to bless all that we've accomplished and done. I mean, with so much to do, how can we pause and take the luxury of quiet, reflection, prayer? That feels like a luxury when things are so busy, when we're called to be productive. Our tendency is to want to get on with things, to keep moving, to be productive, busy people. A lot of us um, are like Martha. Things have to get done, which um, means we've got to be about that work. And we maybe can't or don't think we can carve out space and time to do what seems like nothing, to sit, to be still, to listen. My guess is that for many of you, life is filled with some busyness, some noise, some distraction, maybe even filled with the busyness of the church. A lot of folks were busy this past week with the busyness of the church in Vacation Bible School. Most of us rarely experience those holy moments at Jesus' feet, simply listening, being, attuning our ear to the voice of God. We're just too busy for that, we say. And yet the saints have all known that it's only in investing time alone with God, sitting in silence under the Word, reflecting on God's Word, studying Scripture and the great theologians of our faith, meditating, quiet, stillness, that we're able to serve faithfully and well. We only know what to do for God and how to do it if we've actually spent a little time with God. In other words, being comes before doing, or at least it, sh- it should. A faithful life of serving flows from a faithful life of listening to God in worship, in prayer, in study, in Christian conversation, reflection. Richard Foster, in his book Celebration of Discipline, argues that our adversary majors in three different things. The devil, Satan, principalities and powers, that, that power that wants to distract us from the will and way of God, whatever we name it, majors in three things. And these will sound so familiar. Noise, hurry, and crowds. In other words, keep them distracted. Our lives are indeed testimonies to the fact that we are busy, productive people. Our schedules, even at the church, can be overwhelming. It's like a, a badge we often wear with pride. Get, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, I hope none of my colleagues other than these are listening, but get a bunch of Methodist preachers together, and it won't be long before they're all comparing schedules. Look how busy I am. No, wait, you think you're busy. Look how busy I am. See how much I'm doing for the kingdom? That's my value. That's what I'm worth. Our society measures people by what they produce. As such, we may even be a bit skeptical of someone like Mary who just sits, who just is in Jesus' presence. 
when Mary could be doing something, helping, serving. This morning's gospel lesson, I, I love that story of um, two very faithful and holy women who teach us what it means to, to love and serve Jesus well. They've journeyed the disciples and Jesus to Martha's home. Martha is their host. Mary, her sister, is also there when Jesus arrives. Martha's in the kitchen. I mean, this is a big deal. Jesus has come to town. We're hosting him. We want this to go well. So preparations are being made for the meal, for the dinner, for, for hosting this party of Jesus and his friends. Martha's about that work. Somebody's got to do it. The meal won't cook itself. Mary is in the living room just listening. Jesus, tell her to come help me. I mean, most of us would... <laughs> Probably say that. Hey, you want to, I'm, I'm in here doing this all by myself. You want to give me a hand? You, do you have a minute? Can you tear yourself away from what you're doing long enough to do what's really important? And Jesus says, Martha, you're, you're worried and distracted by so many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part. Nowhere does Jesus tell Martha that serving is a bad thing. He just says that Mary in this moment has chosen the better part. Mother Teresa once observed that what the world and the church need are not more intelligent people, not more gifted people, not harder working, busier people, but what the church and the world desperately need are deep people. People who are spending time regularly sitting at Jesus' feet, investing time alone in being with God. People whose lives are bathed in prayer, whose discipleship, whose faithful busyness is rooted in a life of communion with God. The church and our world need people who recognize that faithful Christian service is about more than just being busy and having a full schedule but people who understand and are engaged in those acts of service that are important and that really matter because they've spent time with the one who can tell us and teach us what is important and what really matters. So that our religious life, our faith life, doesn't become just sort of some stuff we squeeze into an already too crowded schedule. Or we give God whatever time is left. Michael Ramsey has said that the world has lost the way of resting, seeing, loving, and praising. And this really next bit really resonated with me. The world has lost the way of, of resting, seeing, praising, and loving, and is swept away in ceaseless activity. When you don't know what else to do, just be busy. Or at least look busy. The world, Ramsey says, doesn't pause to consider, doesn't pause to pray, doesn't invest time alone each day with God, and with no resting and no contemplation and no prayer, the power to see is lost. To see where we're going, to see the larger perspectives, and to see our fellow human beings as those made in the image and likeness of God. And when we fail to see our lose the capacity to see our world and our neighbors as those created in the image and likeness of God, then we lose, we've lost 
the perspective of Jesus who saw the world in this way. And the way Jesus came to see the world in this way was because he spent regular intentional time alone with the Father. Indeed, how can we expect to look upon the world with compassion if we don't listen to Jesus teach us what compassion is? How can we um, follow if we don't spend some time with the one we follow? How do we say a word for God, speak God's word into the world, when we don't pause to listen for God's word? Most of us, and this is the real challenge, especially for a group like us, um, most of you are high-functioning, competent, very capable people. So that's your compliment for today, right? You are high-functioning, capable, competent people. Um, and even in our life of discipleship, we can lean into that too much. Into our own strength, into our own cleverness, into our own intellect, into our own capacity and competency. But sooner or later, friends, the well will run dry. And when the well runs dry, we sound like Martha. Bitter, frustrated, angry, because others aren't working as hard as we are. Why is it that we think, I've often wondered about this, that we can do what Jesus himself never attempted to do? which is serve God without actually having a relationship with God. There are all those accounts in the New Testament where it's said that Jesus went away by himself to pray. Why is it that we think we could do this any different than the way Jesus did it? That we could actually serve God well by never going away by ourselves to pray. All of Jesus' doing for God was rooted in a place of deep rest and centeredness. All of his doing flowed from his relationship with the Father. What we need is not, a, not, not to find more effective ways of doing, but more faithful ways of being. Our life of recognizing and serving our neighbors, if it's going to be authentic and faithful and sustainable, it has to be grounded in a loving union with God. Love God with all you are, with all you have, and only then, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you do this, you will live. Now, again, it's not wrong that Martha's serving Christ in the way that she's chosen, but rather faithful, as I said, faithful discipleship is a matter of balance. Times when the demands of the gospel requires us to be busy. And times when the gospel requires us to be still. To listen. To pray. To be alone with God. So that we then have a deep well out of which we can serve God. We, our doing for God grows out of a life of being with God. Because... Um, Prayer without service is empty piety, and service without prayer is social activism, and neither of those are the gospel. The movement of the gospel life is one from prayer to service to prayer to service to prayer to service. God wants you to be busy. 
Hear, hear me now, I'm not suggesting otherwise. Sometimes God wants us to be busy. And God wants us to be still. To be Mary and Martha. To be Mary so that we can be a more faithful and joyful Martha. A balanced life of time alone with Jesus and time serving others. I want us to be an active, faithful, engaged, vital, serving church. To be like Martha and serve well. To care for Jesus wherever we find Him. Some of you have been engaged in that work this week through Vacation Bible School. Our youth are headed off to Savannah to do that work. Others among you have spent um, a number of days with Mission Possible down at Brookstone serving um, some of our um, neighbors in that community. We've, we've been a busy, active church. And in order to continue and sustain that work, I want us to be like Mary. And occasionally, just be. Just be in Christ's presence. To hear God say, to cut out the noise and the distractions Long enough to hear God remind you that you are loved just as you are and not for what you produce or do. So, friends, if you will, hear this word from one of my favorite writers, Pedro Arupe. Let it be our prayer and our hope. He, he writes this, Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love with God. Nothing is more practical than falling in love in a quite absolute and final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what you are in love with, who you are in love with, will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart. What amazes you with gratitude and joy. So, fall in love. Stay in love. It will decide everything. Amen.